Amen. Good morning, everyone. So glad to be with you. Uh, thank you for that nice, uh, warm welcome. I've been welcomed extremely well by you, by your church, by your pastors. I came into a wonderful room, and I tell you what, that means a lot, right? Like, Rama people have been trained. They've been trained well. They they have a nice little uh, gift basket or a fruit basket, and you know, um, I kind of took it for granted over a while because. You know, I thought it was just normal when I used to travel, but now that I've been in different places, some places I'm just glad to just to, just to get a bed. <laughs> so, so this is a real, uh, real wonderful blessing. You know, to come to a nice room, you can rest. You know, you can just attack that fruit basket, and it's just a wonderful thing. You have amazing pastors here uh, in in Boise, Idaho. And I want to make really sure that you, you, you acknowledge that and you recognize that because these are not your average pastors. Amen. And, uh, you know, we, we, Ingrid and I, we've known them, you know, since the late 1990s or the early 2000s, I believe. And, uh, you know, they always stood out to us. And we couldn't always put our finger on it. Sometimes we thought, well, they're just a real nice-looking couple, a Hollywood couple, you know, we saw. <laughs> And then we thought, is that what it is? Well, no, there's more to it. It's the anointing that's on them. That's, I believe it's very recognizable. But not only that, they have amazing character. They have a good message. You know, what I heard, you know, Pastor Mark preach one time at one of the Raymond meetings. I thought, you know, I mean, these people are going places, and obviously they are, you know. You guys are just an amazing job that I'm really impressed with, you know. So it's a real honor for me to be with you this morning. Uh, I would like for you to turn with me this morning, if you've got your Bibles with you, to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. And uh, before I get started, I'd like to, you know, introduce myself a little bit. I thought that might be appropriate. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as you've been able to pick up, I've been probably noticed I have an accent, and it's not a Canadian accent. I was born and raised in Holland. Uh, but I usually tell people, uh, you know, I've been talking in tongues so much, I picked up an accent. But um, that's not the truth, you know. But it's really because I was born and raised in a in a different country in uh, Europe, you know. So my, when my wife is mad at me once in a while, she refers to me as Euro trash. But uh, <laughs> so then I know I'm in I'm in the doghouse when she says that to me. So I have to build up my image, and I've been real nice to her. She's not with me this morning. She does. Uh, you know, really, uh, you know, she wants to say sorry. She did say, told me to say sorry to Pastor Amy because, you know, she would have loved to spend a little bit of time with you, you know. That's what she said. We kind of planned on being here with the two of us, but then um, some other things happened, and the only time that she can be gone uh, away is right now at this very moment. She's with my daughter in Australia where my daughter is part of a church plant, you know, under Rama, Australia, right on the Sunshine Coast. And so that's where she is at right now. And uh, hopefully she can watch the services later on. That'll be a nice thing at least. And um, so, and, but I'll give you a little bit more of my, of my testimony, you know, as we, as we uh, pro pro progress here. But, um, you know, growing up in Holland, I was 15 
And how many of you know when you're 15, you got your life planned out like, you know, in a lot of different ways. I had a girlfriend. I had my soccer career planned. I'm going to be a professional soccer player, and my girlfriend is going to adore me. You know, I had all these plans, you know, <laughs> waiting for me. And then my dad messed it up because he told me, we're going to Canada. I said, I don't want to go to Canada. He said, keep swimming. <laughs> so we wound up on the other side of the pond, you know. We wound up right in, in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. And uh, I just made life extremely difficult and very miserable. Actually, I made live hell on earth for my parents for six months. They would take me to all kinds of real beautiful places right in our neighborhood. But I purposed in my heart, I'm not going to like it. You know, I mean, I'm a rebel without a cause. I'm not going to like it. And so I told them out very straight, I'm not, I'm not going to like it. I don't care where you take me. I don't care what you do. I'm not going to like it. And so finally, after six months, they said, okay, you know, it looks like you don't, you really don't like it. And if you want to, you can go back. I said, I'll see you later. So I had, I had a job at, you know, I'm 16 by this time. So I had a, enough money for a one-way ticket home. And uh, so I took that one-way ticket home and I wound up staying with my grandma. Now, how cool is that for a 16-year-old to uh, wind up with his grandma? And, uh, but it was a, probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I would come home from a party or an event or from school and I would come up with my ideas and she'd wag a little finger at me. That's not what the Bible says. And she would proceed to tell me what the Bible said about what I'm saying. And so I would argue with her up and down. We had great debates, you know. I thought I always won, but in the middle of the night, I would wake up many times and think to myself, oh, she is right. Now, I never told her. I never gave her credit for it. You know, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go that far. But I would think in the middle of the night, she is right about what she says. And so really what she did is she planted the word in me. And how many of you know that's indestructible, incorruptible seed? Amen. And maybe it will not immediately grow, but... When you've been given time, over a period of time, it does start growing up and it starts bearing fruit. And so that's what, that's what I experienced in my life as well. I didn't you know, recognize it, of course, as, uh, in, as uh, incorruptible seed you know, of the Word of God. But that's really what happened to me. So then after about a year and a half, then my girlfriend dumped me. So I thought I may as well go back to Canada. So I did. And it's during that time that my, da that my dad had purchased a business. And it was not doing well at all. As a matter of fact, we jokingly say about him that he did his best to go broke in the first year. But it was very difficult for me to watch my dad because he tends to be a good, strong personality. And uh, he was really weak. He, you know, he, he was very close to a nervous breakdown. And there was a lot of strife in my family over money. Um, you know, especially when you don't have enough. There's always, there seems to be pressure. And it's, it leaves the door open for the devil to bring in strife. And my mom didn't help because she would spend my dad's money faster than he was able to make it. And so I found out over the years that is a universal problem. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So this was nothing new, but it was the cause for a lot of pressure and a lot of strife. And um, so during this time, the, my, my dad tried different things. He tried to get more money from the bank. He tried to get people that owed him money to pay. Nothing was working for him. Now, at the time, we attended a mainline church. 
And uh, no, we were not born, born again believers or anything, but we thought it good to go to a church. But in this church, they had something what was called a charismatic Bible study. And some members of this Bible study invited my mom and dad to come to that charismatic Bible study. And uh, so we didn't know what a Bible study was, much less a charismatic Bible study. But my dad was so far down, you know, that he said, well, why don't we go? We've tried it all. Why don't we try this? So they went to this charismatic Bible study. And they must have been waiting for them because down in the basement where 10 or 12 people were gathered, they came in. And there were two seats, two chairs waiting for them. And so they put them in those chairs. You know, you remember those days, the late 70s, early 80s, where the charismatic move was just really flourishing and all kinds of wild stuff took place. But a lot of really good things happened as well. And so, uh, you know, they put my mom and dad in those, on those chairs and they said, we're going to pray for you. And so in my mom and dad's ears, that sounded like, okay, next week when we think about you, then we may remember you in prayer. That's what they thought it meant. But you know what charismatics are like because you probably are one of them or have been one of them. They just started marching around them like a Jericho march and they were shouting scriptures at them. They were praying out loud over them. They laid hands on them, things they had never ever experienced before. And so, but the, at the end of that meeting, my dad turned to my mom, and this is what he said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Woo, that was a, a big deal. That was a big thing. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about it this past year, last year, 2019. He went to be with the Lord uh, last year, fe February, around this time. And we talked about that, that statement that he made because that was a big decision that he made and far-fetching. Not so, you know, it not only affected him, but it affected all of his kids. It affected my kids, his grandkids, and his great-grandkids, my grandchildren. You know, just that one statement. So how many of you know that's, a, that's important? The statements, the, the acknowledgement, the, the, the word that you speak has tremendous power in it. Amen. It's got tremendous power in it. So that's what he said. And uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that meant that that night he gave his heart to the Lord. He gave his family to the Lord. He gave his business to the Lord. He came home that night and, you know, he gathered us kids. By this time I was about 18. I'm the oldest of six. He gathered us kids. And he said to us, he said, we're Christians now. I thought we really were because, you know, we've been going to church. I didn't know <laughs> there was more to it. He said, we're Christians now. I thought, okay, well, more, more power to you. But I began to watch, you know, what was happening. And some amazing things happened. For instance, a week after this incident of them, of, of my dad making this statement, having been prayed for, uh, somebody from Holland phoned my dad. And he said, Fred, do you need this much money? And with the exchange rate back in those days, it came to 40,000 Canadian dollars, which was the exact amount that my dad needed to get out of the hole. Amen. And my dad said to him, yes, I do. And secretly he was hoping that the man would loan it to him. But the man said, no, he said, I'm not going to loan it to him. I'm just going to give it to you. Woo! Now, so that was a huge miracle, a dual miracle. You know, first of all, the fact that my dad, you know, got $40,000, Canadian dollars, that got him out of the hole. Secondly, we had never heard of any Dutchman giving anything away, because that's unheard of. <laughs> 
Amen. <laughs> and so, so I'm just watching all of this. I'm thinking, man, this is really something. You know, and I'm, I am paying attention because I had never heard of anything like this that somebody would give $40,000 away without any strings attached. And so my dad is out of the hole, his business out of the hole, and I began to watch it. And it, it is starting to do really well, really well. Because how many of you know, whatever you give over to the Lord, it will begin to prosper. If you give your life to, to Jesus, it will begin to prosper. If, if you give your family to Jesus, amen, it'll begin to flourish and to prosper. If you give your business to the Lord, it'll become, it'll begin to prosper. <laughs> amen. So talking to, not here, but some pastors, you know, that I know, if you give it to the Lord, if you give your church to the Lord, it will begin to prosper. <laughs> amen. Everything you turn over to, to Him will begin to prosper. Amen. So that's what I'm watching and then he began to invite me you know to his type of meetings and so he invited me to a full gospel businessmen's meeting they were really flourishing back in those days the late 70s the early 80s and I piously said yeah I should go you know not really knowing what I'm getting into and the first meeting I was in I was really uncomfortable with all the stuff they were doing but I'm paying attention right because they had the gifts of the spirit you know they had tongues and interpretation of tongues I'd never heard anything like that but I tell you what you know after these gifts of the spirit begin to operate I'm really paying attention I mean you know that's what they're there for Amen. You know, one of the things that we do in different parts of the world is train leaders to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Because he's more than a spiritual hitchhiker. <laughs> Amen. He, he's in you for a very specific purpose. And one of the purposes is to give, uh, you know, is for us to give expression to him. And there's so many different ways that he can express himself through us to other people. And they're powerful things. That's not, not my message, but I, I think it'd be good for us to know that. Amen. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm watching all of these things that are happening. And then a gentleman came up who gave his testimony kind of in the same way that I'm doing this morning as well. And he talked about how God not only blessed his business, but he said, I also know that I'm going to heaven. And I had never heard anybody make a statement like that. I thought to myself, okay, God blesses your business. I can see that because that's what's happening with, with my dad. But for him to make an outrageous statement that he already knows that he's going to heaven, I'm thinking, how would you know that? And it bugged me that he said that. It actually irritated me to the point that I'm saying, I'm going to ask him. Normally, I would never do that. I would never talk to people that much. But this frustrated me so much that I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to ask him. So I walked up to him after, this, after the meeting, and I asked him, so how would you know? How, how do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, he didn't really help me. <laughs> because he said, well, you just know that you know that you know. And if you don't know that, if you don't know anything, that's not really a helpful statement. But thank God, the president of the full gospel businessman, he showed me what the Bible says, because how many of you know, that's what counts. This word, the word of God is our final authority. We have no business acting on anything, nobody's opinion, nobody's experience, except unless it's based on what the word says. So he gave me the word. He told me, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says that if you confess Jesus as Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. You're saved. So I thought about it, and I said, well, you know what? If I'm real 
honest, I have no problem with that. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe with all my heart that God has raised him from the dead. You know, so there's no problem. Well, great. He said, based on that, you can now say that you're saved. And I went like, oh, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. Because if I would do that, I'd be arrogant like you guys are. I don't want to do that. <laughs> that sounded too far-fetched. Right? I had no problem with the first part of the equation, but I struggled with the second part of the equation, which makes it personal. But that's exactly what faith does. Faith takes something that's out in the general sphere or in the realm of the Spirit, and it makes it yours by saying, I believe that this is me. Whatever the Word says about me, that's talking, or in, in the Word that's talking about me. Amen. And, uh, you know, so I didn't dare to do what he told me to do. And it put me on a search. I'm not searching all over the place. Thank God the Baptists came by. You know, we're glad for the Baptists. Because they put me on the Roman road. <laughs> you know, they started with, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, I knew that. Right? I qualify. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then they went to the same scripture. You know, that the outcome is that if you confess... Jesus as Lord, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you say that. Well, that's the same thing as what the other guys were saying. You know, I just don't dare to say what they say. So it took me a little while. It took me about six months, and I wound up back with the full gospel businessman and the president. He got just so fed up with me. He said, just say it. So, and he kind of shocked me into it. He kind of shocked me into it. I said, okay, I'll say it. And how many of you know that's actually scriptural? Right? That's actually scriptural. Because, you know, Paul did the same thing with the, with the lame man at, at Lystra. You can find a story in Acts chapter 14 where he was preaching the gospel. There was a man at Lystra. Uh, you know, he had been, he had been lame since, his, since birth. He heard Paul speak. And Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed. Isn't that interesting? He had faith to be healed, but he, had, he was just as lame as he had always been. So is it possible for people to sit in church and have faith in their heart to be saved but never act on it? Is it possible for people to have faith in their heart to be healed but never act on it? Is it possible for people to become givers, you know, to become prosperous but never never dare to act on on something isn't that isn't that possible so that's where i fit fit in i just didn't dare to act on it and uh, you know that's what paul did he helped the man by saying he boldly said to him or he with a loud voice he said with a loud voice paul spoke to the man stand up right on your feet and the man did amen so you know, why did Paul have to be so loud about it? You know, do you have to be so loud about it? Well, sometimes you do, <laughs> right? Because uh, sometimes it takes something physical to get past people's minds because it's their minds that are holding them back. My mind was holding me back from becoming born again because in my mind I'm thinking, well, you know, uh, Jesus, yes, he died for our sin, but, I, but I, I don't know how that's going to affect me. I thought you're on this earth, you do the best you can, and uh, when you die, you go to heaven. If God likes you, you get to stay. If he doesn't like you, he'll shoot you right off to hell. That's my thinking. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's my thinking. So, but how many of you know that's, that's not how the system works? You better make the transaction on this earth because it's meant to be made on this earth. 
Amen. If you don't make that transaction on this earth, you won't, you won't even wind up getting there. But if you do exactly what the Bible says, and this man helped me to see that, I'm going to have to say something. Isn't that powerful? You have to say something. If you say something with your mouth, it'll actually take you out of the kingdom of darkness and will place you, translate you into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Amen. We just actually sang it. You know, you got to move your body. You got to ooh, dance with your feet a little bit. <laughs> Amen. Then you got to say some things with your mouth to get you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Amen. So I finally acted on it because somebody helped me. Somebody helped me by, by just telling me, just say it. I said, okay, I'll say it. And as I'm saying it, I'm apologizing to the Lord. I said, Lord, if it's not true, I am so sorry. I don't want to lie. <laughs> and so I just said it. I said it. I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I believe with all my heart that you, Father God, you raised him from the dead. And from this moment on, I am saved. And you know what happened? The minute I said it, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was saved. Because that's how the system works. That's how the system works. Because you've got someone living on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit. And his job description is to bear witness with the truth. So he's, got, he's not going to do the witnessing for you, but he will bear witness to the truth. So that means you're going to have to be the one that's going to do the witnessing to begin with. If you say what God says, then you've got the Holy Ghost living inside of you. Say, that's right. You are a child of God. He'll tell you, yeah, that's right. You're on the right track. Amen. Yes, that's right. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. He will tell you all those things based on what the Word says. He's not going to agree with your opinions. He's not going to agree with your experiences. He's not going to agree with your feelings or with what some relative had said about it. He's going to agree with what the Word says. Amen. So after that experience, I just knew that I was born again. And so the same people that told me to, you know, help me to become born again are also the same people that helped me find expression in the Holy Ghost, right? Meaning, you know, he, they told me to, you know, now your next step is going to be to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we want to do the same thing. We want to give you an opportunity later on this morning as well for you to not only receive Jesus, but in the same way that you can receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can receive the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with a new language. And I tell you what, that's a very powerful thing. I can tell you many stories about that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do tell some of the stories in the third hour. I, I believe I'm just led to talk about some of those things in the third hour. So if you want to come back, you may want to think about that. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so these people told me, okay, now your next step is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that was a good thing. And uh, But then it, it just kept moving on. You know, this is now 1980. I know that's a long time ago. But it's still just as real and as fresh and as fresh as it's always been. Because during that time, you know, I met my my girlfriend, my girlfriend, who is now my, he was now my wife. You know, we, my life is really taking off, and we're, I'm doing well. Praise the Lord. I'm working at an agricultural college, and one fine spring morning, as I, you know, put in my time card, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit tell me, I have, with a very strong, authoritative voice, He said, I have called you to plant a different seed. 
And I knew immediately that the Lord had called me to preach. Now, that sounds nice. You know, you might think, well, that's an exciting thing for the Lord to tell you that. But it was not very exciting to me because at that time I had a real horrible, horrible stuttering problem. I couldn't talk to people one-on-one. I couldn't even say my name without, without stuttering. So that's not really, <laughs> not, not really in my plans. As a matter of fact, my plan was to go into agriculture, get myself a farm a little bit further north from where I was so that I can make a living without having to talk to too many people. That's my plan. <laughs> right? But now... But now, you know, when the Lord tells me this, I'm going to have to deal with this. I have called you to plant a different seed, meaning I'm going to have to preach the word. I knew, I knew instantly that's what the Lord wanted me to do. So um, I'm kind of arguing with him all day, all day long. I don't want to say yes to that. Uh, and I don't want to say no to it either. I don't want to say no because at the time I'd heard of Moses, I'd heard of Benny Hinn, I've heard of Oral Roberts, all people with a speech impediment. And so they were healed. So I knew I couldn't say no. But I just don't want to say yes because if I say yes, it's going to open up doors for me that I'm not ready for. So I, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm talking to the Lord about it all day long. And at the end of the day, I said, Lord, I will do it, but you're going to have to help me. And I knew that was the right answer for that time. And so now I know the Lord is going to help me, but I just don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know how it's all, how it's all going to pan out. And, you know, many times I was thinking, well, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I would wake up and all my problems would just be gone. And sometimes that's what we think, right? We think being a Christian means all the problems are gone. You just wave your little faith wand and this, all your problems have just disappeared. But have you ever noticed that's not how it works? <laughs> Amen. Because uh, we don't have a faith wand. Faith, you know, really faces, faces the facts, you know, with your eyes wide, wide open without, you know, without flinching. Amen. You know, we know that about Abraham, for instance. We know that Abraham, he was very conscious about his body and Grandma Sarah's body, that they were not able to have children. But he stuck with what God had said. Amen. He became strong in faith. So, so I knew, you know, something, something like, like that will have to happen. I don't know anything about faith, but about a couple of weeks after this incident that happened to me, then someone by the name of Kennedy Hagen came past our area. And I, I had never heard of uh, Brother Hagen, but some very well-meaning Christians thought I should go. So I thought, well, yeah, I'll go. So I took the afternoon off, and I went to the meeting, and it was just an amazing, outstanding meeting. I'd never seen that many Christians all piled up in a room. It was a pretty good-sized room with about 2,000 people all packed into this place. And so I thought, wow, this is really something. And uh, so, and, and Brother Hagen just taught a real simple message on the woman with the issue of blood. And he goes down all of the verses, you know, you know the story how this woman, you know, having suffered from a, from a uh, blood, blood disease for uh, 12 years, she didn't get any better. In fact, she got worse. Amen. And uh, not only that, but she had spent everything that she had on doctors, so nothing was working. But things began to change for her. As soon as you heard of Jesus. Now, how many of you know what you hear about Jesus can make it make be a difference of day and night? 
can be the difference between life and death, can be a difference between sickness and health, can be a difference between poverty and prosperity. Is that right? Amen. What you hear about Jesus. So I would say this, you know, where you go to church is very important. Amen. Because what you hear about Jesus is extremely important. Amen. Even Jesus made this statement. He said, you know, uh, make sure that you know what you're doing with what you hear and how you hear. Not only is it important to pay attention to what you hear, but to pay attention to how you hear it as well. Because whatever measure that you use, that's the measure that's going to be measured towards you in your life. Amen. So if you measure things in just teaspoon, <laughs> teaspoon measures, that's how it's going to be measured towards you. But if you think in truck loads and train loads and plane loads, whoo, I tell you what, that's how it is going to be measured towards you as well. So what you hear is extremely important. But how you hear it is very important as well. Obviously, she must have heard something that caused faith to rise in her heart because when she had heard of Jesus she came in the press behind and she touched the hem of his garment because she said if I may but touch the hem of his garment I shall be made whole and when she did she immediately felt in her body I mean you know that faith will always bring a feeling right faith is it's a tangible force praise the Lord <laughs> and so her uh, her faith drew the healing power out of Jesus. Amen. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her plague, of her disease. And Jesus at the same time, he also felt that power had gone out of his body. He stopped the crowd asking the question, who touched me? Well, you know, the disciples, they know what's going on. And so they said, well, Jesus, uh, what kind of a strange question is that? Because everybody's touching you. Right? You got a you know, you have a mob around you at this at this moment. Some people touch you because they're curious. Some people kind of run into you. Some people are pushed into you. Amen. Every, there's a lot of people touching Jesus, but out of that entire crowd, only one person received healing, and that's the woman with the issue of blood. And we know exactly why how it happened because Jesus asked her the question. You know, or he, or actually he didn't ask a question, but he you know, he told her this. But, you know, Brother Hagin is reading all of this, and he stopped at the place where Jesus had something to say to the woman about what made her whole. He asked us, the audience, now what did Jesus say made the woman whole? Did he say, my grace has made you whole? Well, in my thinking, that clicked. Right? Because I don't know the Bible. I mean, I've read a few stories in the Old Testament, David and Goliath. Right, some of the Sunday school stories, but I've never really read the Bible. So how many of you know it's important to know what the Bible has to say? <laughs> Amen. A lot of people just don't know what the Bible says. I, I didn't know what it said, but it sounded good. Did Jesus say, my grace has made you whole? I thought, yeah, that makes sense. His next question was, did Jesus say, my presence has made you whole? Again, that sounded really good to my to my ears. Then he asked a question, did he say my power or my anointing has made you whole? Again, I'm thinking, yeah, that sounds powerful. That sounds really good. But then I checked on my neighbor's Bible, 
right? Because I didn't have my Bible with me. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm new at all of this. You know, I had long hippie hair. <laughs> I had a trucker's vest with some holes in it. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, during the meeting, you know, Br Brother Hagen gave an altar call. And I just felt, you know, there's a whole row of ladies sitting uh, be behind me. And they were, they had their hands stretched out towards me, wanting me to get saved. Right, because I I just didn't look saved, and so I turned to them. I'm already saved. They said, "Oh," they said, <laughs> "Amen." But uh, so I checked on my neighbor's Bible. I didn't know it was a bring your own Bible BYOB meeting. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, so I checked on my on my neighbor's Bible. He had it laying right there on his lap. That man, you know, was my friend. He was a little bit older than I was. But I called him my friend because he really took care of me when I came back to Canada. He took me fishing and did all lot of other stuff. But he had lost his job because one of the reasons being is because he had a ALS. Right? So that's so he had lost all of the strength in his muscles. And they told him he had only two more years to live. And he would, you know, wind up in a wheelchair and finally die of asphyxation. That's, that's what they told him. So he came to the same meeting because he needed healing. And uh, so he had his Bible with him. I checked and he was healed, healed that night. As a matter of fact, he went back to the doctor and he was, he was uh, proclaimed as totally healed. Uh, totally healed. You know, he did pass away 25 years later. <laughs> But that's for a whole different reason. Amen. That's for a whole different reason. Praise the Lord. So, um, but I checked on this Bible and I'm looking over and, and I read it. I, you know, the, Jesus said to the woman, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Oh, and when I read that, my eyes were opened up. Now, you know, you can have your eyes, your inward eyes open up. You have outward eyes. But then the Bible tells us you have inward eyes as well, or the eyes of your understanding. You remember that Paul uh, made that statement, or he prayed for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16. He said, I pray the God of our, or the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he may grant unto you the, the spirit of wisdom. Amen. So that the eyes of your understanding may be flooded with light. So in the same way that you've got eyes in your head, you've got eyes in your spirit as well. And when they get flooded with light, then you begin to see things like you have never seen them, be seen them be before. It almost seems like you have a paradigm shift. Amen. And that's what happened to me. I'm reading that and what I learned that night is, of course... Everything, everything, you know, that I need is by grace. How many of you know that everything that God has accomplished for us in the death, in the burial, in the resurrection, in the ascension of Jesus Christ is the grace of God. And it is vast like an ocean. But just because that has been provided for us by grace is not a certainty that you're just going to walk in that unless you apply your faith. Can you say amen? So that's what I learned that night, that whatever has been provided for us by grace must be implemented, must be applied by your faith, meaning this, you have a role to play. See, I, I didn't know that I played a role in anything. I just thought, you know, that everything is up to God. That's what I was taught. Or at least, I don't know, can't say for sure it was taught that way, but the impression was left with me that everything is up to God, whether you're healed. You know, it used to be with whether you're saved even, but whether you're 
healed or whether you become prosperous. It's all up to, up to God. And the impression was left that we've got nothing to do with that. But when you read the Bible and Jesus said to the woman, daughter, your faith has made you whole. That means we do play a role in it. Right now, that scares some people. So that's why some people struggle with faith because they don't like that. Right? They would, it's much easier in their mind to leave everything up to, up to God and we've got nothing to do with it. But when you really find out in the scriptures and you can go throughout, throughout all, of the, all of the gospels, we do play a role in what takes place. Right? And so, so it's the woman's faith that made her whole. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, praise God. This, this is my answer. Praise the Lord. This is my answer. If her faith can make her whole, then my faith can make me whole. Well, the devil was right there. And he told me this. He said, you don't have to worry about that because you don't have any. Has he ever told you that about your level of faith? But how many of you know, you know, faith is not really the issue. Or the size of your faith is never really the, the issue. But you just got to use it. Amen. You just got to use it. Sometimes people think, well, you know, if, if I only had more faith, then I would believe God. Or I would do this, or I would do that. I would go out into the world. I would reach souls. I would help build buildings. I would do all of those kind of things. But it's got nothing to do with the size of your faith. It's got to do with just using it. You remember how that Jesus, you know, and his disciples, they walked from wherever they were, Bethphage, you know, in one of the cities. They walked to the temple, and on the way to the temple, Jesus saw a fig tree. Right, And it had leaves on it indicating it's got some fruit on it. When he got to the tree, the tree obviously is talking to him <laughs> because it didn't have any fruit. So it's lying to him. It had leaves, but it didn't have the fruits to, to go along with it. So Jesus talked back to the fruit tree, to the fig tree. How many of you know it's okay for you to talk to things around you? Amen. I mean, in, in Canada, we have a, we used to have at least a bumper sticker, you know, of some people that put it on their car. And it said, if this thing were a horse, I'd have to shoot it. <laughs> right? So, so they're talking to their car, right? People talk to their fridge. They talk to their stove and they say all kinds of stuff. Jesus obviously is talking to the fig tree because it's talking to him. Amen. How many of you know things are talking to you, right? Your body is talking to you. Your mind is talking to you. People are talking to you. That pile of bills on your desk, it's talking to you. Amen. There's a lot of stuff that's talking to you. So we got to learn to talk back. And the voice, your voice needs to be stronger than those opposing forces. That means you have to have more authority in your voice. I'm not telling you just to be loud, although sometimes that might be okay. But your voice needs to have more authority than the voices that are coming against you. That the only way that you can do that is by faith, when you operate by faith. So Jesus spoke to the fig tree, no man is going to eat fruit of you here from here on out. His disciples heard it. You know the rest of the story. They went to the temple. They came back. Obviously nothing had happened. 24 hours later they went back to, to, uh, to the city, to the temple again. And on the way, Peter noticed. Peter noticed something happened to the tree. He said, whoa, master, look at the tree that you cursed yesterday. Cursing means you, you know, you're not 
cussing out or anything. You're not cussing or anything, but you know, you just tell something to not get results, for something to not bear fruit. So that's what, that's what Jesus did. And Peter was really amazed. Now what did Jesus do? Is this what he did? Well, Peter, that's what messiahs do. <laughs> that, that's what I do. You know, you guys are just poor fishermen, uh, but I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. And, uh, you know, I talk to trees. I talk to winds and the waves. And they all listen to me. Is that what Jesus did? No. No, you know what he did? He said, Peter, have faith in God. Or really what it means, have faith like God has faith. It's got nothing to, nothing to do with the size of it. Just have faith like God has faith. Because if you operate that way, then whosoever, and you know the rest of the story, I know you're taught well in this church, you know, Mark chapter 11, verse 23, for whosoever shall say, are you a whosoever? Yeah. Right? Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not and shall believe the things that he says, but shall not doubt in his heart. He shall have whatever he says. Right? So, whosoever can have whatsoever. So that's what I learned. Amen. That's, that's what I learned during this meeting. You know, I got saved that way. I didn't dare to say what God said about me. But finally, when I dared to say what God said about me, then I actually walked in, walked in the truth of it then it became real to me. Now that's where I wanted you to turn to. If you haven't found it by now, you may want to look on your neighbor's Bible. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we are at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, which reads, which reads, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such, with such things as you have. For He, that's God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that what? We may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and will not fear what man shall do unto me. You know what that's saying? Because God has said something, now it's our turn to say something in agreement and in line with what He has said. Does that make sense? Because God has said something, now it's our turn to speak something in agreement and in line with what He has said. So when God has said something, it's not your time to wonder or to doubt about it. But you begin to say what He has said, even if it has not been your experience. Even if you've never felt that way. Even if somebody said, well, that's not true. Right? You have to walk with God. If you want to walk with God, you're going to have to simply agree with what He said. That means you're going to have to become a yes man or a yes woman. Lord, I see this in Your Word. I've never experienced this, but I believe that. Amen. So, you know, we're, what I want to do is I want to close with this because this is very practical.